G'day everybody, it's Sam Zicklin and David Redden here. We're going to do a series of NFL podcasts uh, leading into the NFL season, starting in September, uh, the season proper. And uh, without any further ado, the great man Sam Zicklin's here. Hello Sam, how are you mate? Oh David, it's great to be with you. And tell you what, it's especially great to be talking NFL. It is. I know we're not, we're not quite there yet, but for avid NFL fans like me and you, when we, when we start getting a few months out from the season, we start getting very excited about our NFL and Great to be able to spend some time talking about a, a couple of divisions today. We will. Um, the, ladies and gentlemen, we've decided to do four separate podcasts, probably over four or five weeks. And what I'd like to do is we're going to do them geographically. So we're going to do the Eastern Divisions first. And this has got particular uh, relevance to Sam because the Dallas Cowboys sit. Strangely enough, although they're not geographically in the NFC East, they're actually in the not NFC. They should be in the NFC South, but yeah. they're not. They sit in the NFC. So we're going to talk AFC and NFC East. But before we do that, Sam, were there any major... Oh, Trevor Lawrence was the consensus number one all pick from Clemson uh, going to Jacksonville, which is just a short distance down the road for him. For your, From your perspective, um, were there any big surprises? I think Atlanta's done well getting Pitts, the, who sounds like he's one of the best tight ends of all time. And that has resulted in Julio Jones, Julio Jones moving and going up to Nashville. Any major surprises for you in the draft? Not... Not in particular from the draft, but since I've been kind of tuning into a lot of these teams going back and starting training, the one the one player, and yes. we'll, we'll get the chance to talk a little bit about him uh, a bit further, but a, a guy by the name of Elijah Moore, who's a wide receiver who got drafted by the Jets in the second round, he, to me, looks like he could be the absolute steal of the draft, David. He, dare I say, Randy Moss, even though he's, he's, not, he's not as tall as Randy Moss, he's just absolutely lighting it up, um, and I'm incredibly excited to see how he goes for the Jets this year. So he's probably the, the steal of the second round of, of, the, of the players that I've been hearing about and, and watching some footage from, from training camps getting underway. So he's, he's certainly won. Yeah, I think the, the draft, when we had our draft podcast, it was such an interesting, fascinating first round with you know teams trading up and teams taking you know, a couple yep. of safeties went off the board really early, which threw a spanner in the works for my Cowboys. I think the quarterbacks as well was interesting in the bit of um, bit of by play between the teams. But yeah, looking forward to seeing how Trevor Lawrence goes, and yeah, just excited to see how some of these second round draft picks. A lot of the times, the first round draft picks, especially for the positional players, not so much the quarterbacks. We know that teams can stretch for a quarterback here or there, but often the positional players um, are pretty solid in the first round. But in the second round, you can get some absolute steals. Absolutely, you can. I I. I... Tend to think that Pitts will be one of the most important recruits. Um, not a hundred percent convinced on Lance going to going to San Francisco. We'll wait and see. I think that the Detroit Lions have done well picking up Saul. I think he's the best defensive player in that draft. Before we go into the NFC and AFC, it's time for the big drama of all of the, the NFL at the moment. Well, I think it's the biggest drama. Is the Aaron Rodgers situation, Sam? Um, I have no idea where he's going to be playing this year. Absolutely none. No, is he going to be playing NFL? Is he going to be hosting Jeopardy? I think that's the question. No one knows what, what he's going to be doing. So I'm fascinated by this story. And I think the biggest wrinkle, uh, and I know it's a, it's a really long shot that he, he exercises this opportunity, David, but they've actually loosened the restrictions around players who can opt out because of COVID this season. Yes. They've, they've actually reduced it away from you don't have to have a significant medical, um, I guess, um, condition players can opt out based on preference with COVID. So, and then you can maintain things like uh, signing bonuses, 
he obviously he wouldn't get his salary if, for example, he was he was to do this, Aaron Rodgers. But ultimately, he could opt out of the entire season based on COVID. Keep his signing bonus. He he wouldn't be fined for all these training sessions he's been missing. Fifty k almost a pop. He would get all that money back. He wouldn't play, and then obviously he would be in a position to move on. So I'm absolutely fascinated. He has to do it by the end of uh, of the second of July US time. So about midday for us, probably or a bit later on uh, on. Uh, what will be the third. So that's the big milestone for me to look at first. Um, if he doesn't exercise that option, then I still think he's a long shot um, to play at Green Bay, and I'll be looking at clubs like the Broncos or potentially even the Raiders uh, and John Gruden to try and get his services. But it seems like the, the Green Bay Packers are digging their heels in, and they'd almost rather see him retire than, than, than be traded. So it's fascinating. What's your take, Dave, on this one? I don't think he's going back to Lambeau. No. I, I, he's from he's a Cal player, and he's from that San Francisco area. Um, in fact, he and Brady grew up not very far away from each other, to be honest, a bit different in age. I, I think the most likely three landing spots are at Mile High, at Allegiant Stadium in, in the, on the Strip, and at Levi Stadium. So for our, for our listeners, Denver, Las Vegas, and San Francisco. I agree with Sam. I think they're the most likely three. Elway could roll the dice, as he did with um, Peyton Manning a few years ago and it won Denver a Super Bowl, although Peyton didn't win it. He didn't lose it for them, but other players did. The Raiders have been there or thereabouts. Their defence is poor, but Rodgers gives them a blue chip, and what would happen is that Derek Carr would end up, I'm assuming, at Lambeau Field. And Jimmy Garoppolo is a very interesting case because I think there's a lot of people around the place interested in him. Um, and they'd have to move him on to get him into San Francisco. Well, in what is Santa Clara, actually, but at San Francisco. I think they're the three most likely, and I think he's in his inaction. I think he's saying, in the fact that he's not saying much, I think he's saying plenty. Yeah, and the GM's had a few times where he's kind of said he wouldn't make comment, and then he's almost you know, thrown a couple of daggers at Rogers. So I just can't imagine he's going to be back there. Whether they trade him, whether he sits out, uh, I think it's unlikely he takes his COVID, COVID uh, exemption and sits out, um, but it is certainly on the table for him. Uh, I don't think you have to worry too much about the fines that he's copying for missing these training sessions. But, yeah, I'm really interested. I think Denver would be would be a really, really solid team. Obviously, they'd almost be favourite uh, if they picked him up. The other one that's interesting is whether a team like Miami, for example, could go after him, you know, package up to uh, uh, and try and go after Aaron Rodgers. That, that would be another one for me, uh, I think, Brian Flores is a really smart coach, so that might be an option as well. Can you imagine being to a, from Hawaii, educated in Bama, playing in Miami, and then moving all of a sudden to Lambo? He'd, right. he'd want to get some um, some serious jackets and some underclothing, I tell you. Okay. No, you're not wrong. So, look, that Rogers, what's going on with Rogers? We will be talking about that for weeks, so it'd be fascinating to see what goes on. Okay, first of all, the AFC East. So last year, the AFC East in 2020 finished this way. The Jets were hopeless, 2-14. and 14. The Patriots finished 7-9. and nine. The Dolphins, very unlucky to be eliminated, 10-6. and six. And Buffalo, by far the best team in the AFC East, 13-3. There's been a lot of movement. The Jets have had a massive, massive changes. They've moved Sam Darnold on. I still think that the Jets can't make the finals yet. And I think it's the other three that could possibly make the finals in looking at it, with Buffalo being a clear standout. And we enter the full-on Tua era down there at, at, at Miami Beach. 
be really interesting to see how that they go as well. Sam, your thoughts on the AFC East moving forward? Yeah, I think this division is going to be better than it's been in, in previous years, that's for sure. Uh, I, I agree with the sentiment around the Jets. I think they're a team that's going to be on the move, but I don't think they're going to be able to, to sneak into the playoffs for, for the next potentially couple of years. And when we talk about these records, we've got to remember there's 17 games this season, so yep. more opportunities for these teams to get wins. I think the Jets are going to improve on their 2-14. and 14. I think they're, they're probably going to be in the vicinity of five to six wins this season. I'm really just see how Zach Wilson goes. Uh, obviously, the, the quarterback they've drafted to go in there and play, I think he'll, he'll start immediately. I've already talked about Elijah Moore, who's going to be an outstanding wide receiver, and I think you know him and Zach Wilson over the next couple of years are going to form a really dangerous partnership. So I think that, that's one to watch. Obviously, Adam Gaze is gone. Um, they pick up Robert Sala, who's their head coach now. He's come over from the 49ers. I think there'll be a natural increase there. I think Sala's a motivator. He's a really passionate coach, and, and Gaze really struggled in that role. So I think there's going to be some natural improvement. Their offensive line is still not good, and I'm fearful for Zach Wilson for that reason. I can't see them ruffling too many feathers across the competition, but they'll win a few games and a few more than they did last year. Yeah, I think 6-11 and 11 or 7-10 and 10 is about right for them. I think they'll improve. They've clearly created some building blocks. Their culture's got to get better. They're, they've been hopeless for years. Imagine living in New York and being a Jets fan. If you're a Giants fan, yeah, you, you pretty much know what you're going to get. You've had a pretty good quarterback for a generation and a few other pretty good players and some terrific performances dotted in there. But the Jets... Uh, you just wonder. Um, but I think I agree with you. Six or seven wins will see them up. The Patriots in, drafted, interestingly, um, they've actually built up massively. Not ju- They've built up everywhere. And I think they're going to be major players in the AFC East. Oh, the, the Patriots did so much this offseason. And they had a lot of guys who opted out because of COVID. And they've all, they've all come back. Like Dante Hyde, Pykel's come back. And Kyle Vannoy's come back. Um, well, these two very, very, very good players that Belichick loves... Those two have won Super Bowls for him, and they can play, and they're mean, and they give that defensive... Yeah, What did they get last year? I've got their... They finished minus 27 last year. I cannot see them finish minus this year. I just can't. No, no. The only the only worry for me around the Patriots is Stephen Gilmore's having issues at the moment contractually with the Patriots, and you know there's talk of him holding out and not playing, and I know they picked up Jalen Mills to come in at safety, which is going to help, but... I think they're a top five defense with with Stephon Gilmore, but if he's not there, then I think they're you know potentially a markedly worse defense. And I, yep. I think Belichick. Look, I would say any other coach in the league gets seven wins out of this Patriots team. I think Belichick gets ten to eleven wins out of this team. Um, they definitely improve. I think Cam Newton will be the week one starter, David. I know they've got Mac Jones in there. I think Cam Newton will be there until he potentially struggles or lose a few games, they shouldn't, and then Mac Jones will get an opportunity at some point. But the issue last year with Cam Newton, and the reason why I forgive him and I think he needs an opportunity, is he just wasn't throwing to any NFL-quality receivers last no. year, and he, and he wasn't protected by NFL-quality line. He's got Hunter Henry and, and Johnny Smith come in, Nelson Aguilar, who, you know, you could talk about how much money they're paying him, and they probably overpaid him, but again, another quality wide receiver. So... I like the Patriots. I think that anything coached by Belichick, you, you, you can't dismiss them. They've obviously got the Bills in their division, so they're going to be up against it to win the division. But they'll, they'll be in it, that's for sure. No question. So now we get to the top two, Miami and Buffalo. Um, it's a bizarre geographical division. If you look at this division, it really is quite strange if you look at where they are in America. Um, 
I don't think anybody knows what Chua's upside or downside is. They've got Ryan Fitzpatrick's gone to his two. Ryan Fitzpatrick's gone to his thirty ninth side. Now he's off to Washington, which we'll, and we'll talk and we'll talk about them in a minute. The Washington yeah. Footy side. They've just announced the female um, co CEO today. Actually, um, the Dolphins have got markedly better ever since Brian Flores has gone there. Okay. And the, that Belichick chain, I see Nick Casario has gone to Houston now. Well, someone needed to go to Houston because they're hopeless. Where do Miami go? Can they get over the top? Like, they're going to have to beat Buffalo and New England at some stage. Are they good enough to win this division? I'm not convinced they are, but I also think that they're a very good chance of getting a, a wild card. Yeah, I think they're the, they're the riskiest team for me in this division. I Because I, I, Tour, I just don't know. Um he threw five interceptions at trading the other day, um, which is not a good sign. Uh, a bit of a worry. He's obviously got... Uh, they, they drafted Jalen Waddle from Alabama um, mm. with their first pick in the draft, which I thought was really telling because I was expecting they were going to protect, um, get a bit more protection for Tua, but they didn't. They went after a, a really quality wide receiver to give him someone to throw to. Um, Brian Flores is such a good coach, you wouldn't write them off. But I think they're going to stagnate, David. I think they're, they're probably going to be between 10 and 11 wins, and that's what they had 10 last year, and there's an extra game this year. So I think they're going to almost break even. Wild card, I think, is an opportunity for them. Can't see them winning the, the division. No, because Buffalo is going to win the division. Buffalo have to have some ACLs happen from my perspective. Um, and it is interesting. It's only one or two players can make a difference. But Buffalo are talented all over the park. Great running game, world-class wide receiver, a very, very good quarterback who's not elite yet, but he's close. They have the advantage of playing at home uh, a lot, which is for them one of the biggest home advantages in, in, in the league, although they yeah, do play right. against two other cold climate sides who actually play outdoors. But I just... Buffalo, for me, uh, I think they're one of the chances to win the whole AFC. I think they were very good last year. Um, they, they are closely matched with Kansas City. And I can't. I think they'll win this division, not comfortably, but I think they'll end up with thirteen or fourteen wins. They're that good. And one of the things that Buffalo's got on their side is continuity. They've, they've kept a lot of their players. They've kept their coaching staff. You know, they've obviously got you know Allen and Diggs are their keys, but they've got you know Vernon Butler and AJ Klein who you know on the defensive line. And yeah, they're just a really solid team. I, I would expect them to win potentially thirteen games, 12, 13 games, and win the division comfortably. Um, I, I really like Buffalo. I think Josh Allen went so far above what we expected last year. You just yep. hope that he can maintain that, or even just you know just maintain. It. He doesn't need to go up again because he's improved so much. But if he just maintain that, then you know Buffalo can do anything. And like you say, David, the benefit of Buffalo is you know not so much in their division, but if they do manage to get a home playoff game, that's where they might get a, a warm weather team and just obliterate them. And they've got a fascinating finish to the season. I'll read them out from the 7th of December. They play at home against New England. Then they go to Tampa. So they're, they're playing the NFC South in the last seven games, which is quite amazing. So they play the Patriots in Buffalo in Western New York. Then Tampa away, Carolina at home. The Patriots, so they play the Patriots twice in three weeks, back to, to Gillette to play them. Then they, they finish off home, home against Atlanta and New York. That's not a bad draw. The biggest, challenge, the biggest challenge in that is playing Tampa down there. As long as Tampa's rolling along, that'll be a massive clash and could end up being a finals clash. But that's not a bad finish for Buffalo. And again, I see them getting 13 or 14 wins and winning the division um, 
yeah. quite well. Yeah. They've got a strength of schedule at, that sits at 20 seconds, obviously one being the hardest and 32 mm. being the easiest. They've got a better than average draw, um, so I think they'd be they'd be feeling pretty good about that. The one we should mention, Dave, before we move on from, from this division is the Week 4 game, October 4, between New England and Tampa Bay. How about that? Yeah, that's... I hope that I can find a place to watch that just to see how the Boston and New England fans are, what it's like. That The hype leading into that's going to be massive. And you can imagine the surly Belichick is actually surly at the best of times. He's He makes Michael Malthouse look like a happy man. And um, I, I just think that that's, that'll be the biggest story for a week in America. What Forget you, everything else. What's the reception going to be like? Well, oh, I, it could go either way. I don't know. Boston fans are really interesting. Mm. Um, they weren't overly pleasant to the greatest, but one of the greatest basketballers of all time, Bill Russell, and then eventually welcomed him back. He didn't feel welcome in Boston because he felt that Boston, and this is his words, not mine, was a, a racist town. Mm. And that Brady doesn't have those problems. I think that they'll be classy. I yeah. genuinely do. I think that they'll be classy. And I, I think that everybody will be glad when that game's over. But what a game that is. Let's just hope that's on television. I'm sure those of you that have got cable. <laughs> it's, uh, what, what day of the week? Is that, a, is that a Monday night footy game? Do we know? Oh, that's a good point. I'll find it. I'll, 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 we've got time. Uh, this is our podcast. We can do what we like. So Tampa's... Yeah. I'll just go on to Tampa's schedule here. And we'll get then we'll get the calendar out. Um no, that that game is just is huge. It's got, it, it's got to be at least a Sunday night football game. Oh, you would think so. That late that late Sunday game that's the nationally televised game. Sorry, my internet's playing up at the moment. We might come back to that in a minute. Um, I'm just mine's loading right now. Yeah, mine's been problematic. Yeah, it is. It is. It's the Sunday. It's the it's the Sunday night football game. So something like eight eight o'clock yeah. Eastern or six eight thirty yeah. Eastern. Yeah, let, well, it comes into Australia at about like, that eleven fifteen ish slot. Yeah, that's Monday, right. Yeah. So, yep, yeah. that's so. And what's the date of that, Sam? That's October four. Well, you're not going to believe this. That's the October long weekend, Monday. Oh, there we go. Settle in. <laughs> Settle in. Get ready. Get buck. Get buckled in for a ride, everybody. There we go. Okay, now over to a division that I know that my dear colleague Sam Zickman's going to be all over. I've do, one of the teams in this division has the most extraordinary draw to finish with, which was pointed out. We, we spoke about a few weeks ago, I think even on air. It's the NFC East. And, of course, Sam's Dallas Cowboys are in this. This last year was the most extraordinary, bizarre division. The way it finished was this. Philadelphia finished 4-11-1, and, and they were fourth. Dallas finished 6-10, and 10, New York finished 6-10, and 10, and the Washington football team won with 7-9. and nine. And in fact, the Giants probably blew a chance. The Giants had a chance to win, although whoever played that were playing up, would have been playing against a ramp at Tampa, and there's, nobody got near Tampa, really, in the finals. Washington actually played okay. This is a tough division. It's a tough division to pick. And it was not good last year. Um, I think all four sides will be better. Um, it's the Jalen Hurts area in Philly. Uh, Carson Wentz, who we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, has uh, gone off to Indianapolis. Um, the Giants have some issues. Dallas get their quarterback back. And Washington's got Ryan Fitzpatrick at, at the helm. Sam, David, where do we start here? I remember us talking last year about how this was a... Biz- your words, I think, was a bizarre division, and it was. 
Yeah. I, I tend to think, and I'm not saying this because you're there, I, I tend to think that with Dak Prescott there, that Dallas might almost be favourites. I feel like it's a... And look, I, I might regret saying this because I'm obviously very passionate about my Cowboys, but I feel like it's a race between the Dallas offence and the Washington defence to see which one of those two teams wins this. And, it, and whoever is better out of those two across the season, I think will end up winning this division. I don't think anyone is getting above nine wins, maybe 10 at the at an absolute stretch. But I, I don't think I can see. I, th- I can see nine and seven between Washington and Dallas, and I can see eight and eight, seven and nine between New York and Philly. Interesting thing for Philly is that they've got the they got the 30th strength of schedule, so only two teams have a better draw than Philly. Um, so that's going to potentially assist them. Obviously, Devonta Smith would love hearing that because he'll be running rampant. Look, um, if you look at what I've got the stats up from last year, Washington had the second best defense in the NFC. They were the only team in this division to have a plus differential of six. Their defense was magnificent, 329 points over over 16 games. It's a pretty fair effort. Um, the only defense better was the Los Angeles Rams, and the Rams won away in the finals. That's how good the Rams were. And the Rams are going to be very, very dangerous, which we'll talk about in a few weeks. Yeah, I, and Washington have added a stack of talent too. They've put on some speed receivers like Curtis Samuel and Dami Browns came in, but then they've also got cornerback William Jackson from the Bengals, and they picked up linebacker Jarman Davis um, with pick 19 from Kentucky, um, who's going to solidify their defensive lines. I think they're going to almost have the best defensive line um, in the entire of the NFL, potentially. Uh, absolutely, um, and it. they could win games 21-7, 16-7, yeah. things like that. But a win's a win, especially in this division where they all... This is an old-school, traditional vision. They all hate each other's guts. The games within them, within the division, of course, three teams are very closely matched, uh, are geographically aligned, and Dallas have to come in and out. But it is a close division. I wanted to talk... This is the perfect segue. We spoke about this a few weeks ago, but when the draw came out, there was a lot of articles about Philly's draw. And I yeah. wanted to talk to you about the finish to Philadelphia's season because it's really quite extraordinary. Philadelphia is um, not very far from New York. It's actually located between New York and Washington. And in fact, there's a very fast train for people that live in Philly that, who, who work in New York. It's about an hour 25. And it's it's about around about the same distance that Newcastle or, or Cardiff are from, from Sydney. It's not very far away. Their schedule, they, they go to Denver on the 15th of November, but this is how they finish. And I can't believe this. They don't have to leave home after the when they touch down home on the 16th of November, they stay home. They have the Saints at home, then quite bizarrely, the Giants and the Jets in, in successive weekends at the Meadowlands. Then they've got Washington at home, New York at home, Washington away, and then Dallas at home. That is a phenomenal draw for them. And if they're anything close by, they will have targeted those games and think to themselves, the Saints, no one knows how the Saints are going to go either because their their generational play is gone. But that is a phenomenal draw. Not having to leave home for two months has got to give them a game or two along the line. It's got to, Sam. Yeah, it's... NFL players don't get the luxury of being home at their own houses for 10 weeks, basically half the season. So, yeah, I mean, there, there may be one argument to say they're going to develop that chemistry, develop on the road, but, you know, being at home and comfortable, I think, is very important for these players. So, yeah, I think almost that ties into that strength of schedule being so good for Philly. But you're right, it's, it's crazy how this, these draws have worked out. And, you know, back-to-back New York games, they get Washington twice in three weeks. they got four divisional games to finish off the season. It's, 
really interesting the way the scheduling's worked this year uh, for the NFL. But that's just a quirk, isn't it? They just they don't have to leave for. No, they've got five divisional games in their last sixth, and the sixth game is the Jets. And that that for them is monstrous. Uh, yeah. Look, if ever they're going to step up, this would be the schedule that will do it. Even if they're two games below five hundred going into that, they will. They would love to be parity. And let's face it, the the previous two weeks before this, they've got the they've got the the Broncos and they've got the Chargers. And neither of those sides are in AFC West sides. They're both tough. But yeah, look, I think this is such a fascinating division. It was last year. We spoke so much about this division leading in. The last four or five weeks of our podcast was we were talking about the NFC East, not exclusively, but it was a large part because it was so volatile. A lot of the other divisions were were settled early. They're going to have some big gaps. Like almost that Atlanta game in, in the first week is huge because if they if they can if they can get a win there, it takes the pressure off. If they don't get a win in the first week, then they go to San Fran. I think they'll struggle. Dallas at Dallas, I think they'd struggle. Then Kansas City, Carolina, Tampa Bay. So yeah, yeah it, they, they, they might potentially get to that run at three and six, three and seven, and then they potentially could you know, pick up some wins down the back end. And like we talked about, nine wins, and you're in this division, and you almost win it. Oh, absolutely. Ryan Fitzpatrick's a fascinating story. He's one of the only people I've ever, quarterbacks I've ever seen, um, who's a Harvard-educated man, which is the world's best university. Um, I think Andrew Luck, from memory, was a Stanford graduate. But um, Ryan Fitzpatrick's had, I think, now 10 clubs. He was actually pretty solid. and my, In fact, I think he's got better in the second half of his career than he was in the first half. Um, he seems to be, yeah. He seems to be a very good quarterback for periods of the, the regular season, but he just doesn't seem to be able to bring it home for clubs. I, I, I wouldn't be afraid of him as a team playing against him as you as you round out the season. He, he, he has momentum, he has runs. They don't call him Fitz Magic for nothing. He does some great things out there, but yeah, not overly concerned from a Dallas uh, from a Dallas fan about Fitzpatrick, but I tell you what, I am a bit worried about that defense and scoring any points against the, the Washington football team. Well, Dallas has got, I think, the most explosive offensive weapons. Okay, and that's like last year they scored 395 points. The, their defense was diabolical. They gave up 473, but they were by far the best offensive package in that division, and they did so with their second with their second string and third string quarterbacks. Um, I think if Prescott's anything like right, and they can, and McCarthy has obviously got to get their defense right. 473 is. You would imagine if that happens again, Jerry Jones will get the big coat hanger out. To be quite honest with you, uh, yeah, I think he's got another. He's got another chance. The one that I do like is that the Cowboys hired Dan Quinn um, to run their, their defense, which I think is a huge win, which takes the pressure off McCarthy. He can just worry about the offense and and leave Dan Quinn, who's been almost a magician with with the defenses that he's you know taken over um, previously. You know, taking defenses ranks high 20s and bringing them into the mid-teens. And that's all that needs to happen for the Cowboys. They need to get their defense from 30th to 20th to 16th in the league and then let the offensive team, you know, Cooper and Gallup and C.D. Lamb and Zeke Elliott. I mean, there's so many good players. Prescott, they're going to score points, Dallas. They've just got to, they've got to try and win games of 40, 30, 20, not try and win them 50, 45, which is what they were trying to do up until Prescott went down last year. And if you look at 17 games at 20 points a game, that's a 340 against. Now, 340 against is roughly the commensurate what Washington did last year in 16 games. Yeah. And 
that's in a, what are now high-powered offenses. I, I think it comes down at the moment for mine to Washington and Dallas. I really do. Um, I think it's it, it's we're talk, we always talk lots about the NFCs, but let's let's. I want to have a look at Dallas and um, Dallas's finishing schedule. See how they finish. Um, obviously, they've got a game in there against Philly towards the end. But their last four games are the Giants in New York, Washington in Arlington, Arizona in Arlington. Arizona, of course, with uh, JJ Watt now playing for them, and the Eagles away. And in fact, the game the f- last five games: Washington in Washington, the Giants in New York. Then Washington at home, Arizona at home, and the Eagles. That's a tough finish. That is actually quite a tough finish. And the fact they've got three teams they can do damage to at the end. Uh, but fancy having the the they've got haven't got the Cowboys in the last six, which is really interesting. Yeah, and they start at Tampa, so they're gonna be they're gonna be old one. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Um, at Tampa to start, although you just you never know, Dak might get might get going, but I think you might need a little bit of time. But then I think they could run four potentially five wins in a row and then you know, the middle of the season gets tough. I've had a good look at their uh, schedule as you can imagine I have, and I yes. do think there's no, I do think there is nine wins on the board for the Cowboys this year and that that gives them a chance. Oh, absolutely. In that division, 100% it does. Just for, just, I'm sorry, I made a mistake earlier. And of course, Dallas don't play themselves. But um, the interesting for the Washington football side, they finish off Raiders in Vegas, Cowboys at home, Eagles away, Cowboys away, Eagles at home, Giants away. So three of their last four games for Washington are on the road in East Rutherford, in Arlington, uh, correction, in Philly, in in Arlington and in East Rutherford, so that's a big challenge. So they've got four divisional games to finish. Five, the Cowboys. So they they will have the control of their own destiny, and particularly Dallas, um, Washington will. It's a, it's a yeah. That's three of the last four away is a tough ask. Yeah, which is I think good for Dak, um, and look good for all teams to still have divisional games to finish. So there's always you know you may not have the strongest record going into the week. 12-13, but if you've got three or four divisional games left, well, you're in with a chance. Absolutely. So, from our perspective, and I think we agree on this, Sam, just to summarise, we think Buffalo and then possibly Miami or New England in the AFC East, but for us, we both agree the AFC East, we think, stands in... You've got to go through um, uh, Ralph Wilson Stadium in Buffalo, up there in the frozen tundra, and the National Foot... Uh, the NFC East, I think we both agree that it's at this stage, we're, we're thinking Washington and Dallas will duel it out to, to go through. And right. there won't be a wild... And we both agree, we don't think there'll be a wild card out of this division. No, not out of this one. Then, yeah, we may get one out of the AFC East. So, yeah, one one position off the grabs for us, I think. We agree on that one in the NFC East. And that'll be the case for a few years, I would think. Yeah, I reckon that's the way we're going to go. Sam, thank you so much for your time. We're now, um, next week, we're going to do the Norse. We're going to do the Black and Blue Division, which has got a, uh, means a lot to me being a Minnesota fan, and also the AFC North, which last year had three teams qualify in the finals in, 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 and Kate would, resulted in an extraordinary Cleveland-Pittsburgh game, which we'll talk about next week. But it's AFC, AFC and NFC North next week. Sam, um, thank you so much for your time. It's been great doing this again and look forward to catching up with you next week. We're going to talk some more. We'll talk to Northern Divisions and as we build up towards September and then we'll have a try and have a weekly podcast during the NFL season again. Absolutely. Can't wait uh, for next week in the North, talking about the North. And obviously, I'm, I'm very excited to get into the season and, and bring back our, uh, our weekly podcast. Can't wait. 
Thank you so much, mate. On behalf of uh, Sam Zickman, my name's David Redden. It's been our pleasure bringing you this NFL podcast. We'll catch up with you next week to look at the Northern Divisions, the AFC North, and of course, the Black and Blue Division, the NFC North. On behalf of Sam, this is David. Bye for now.